Hello, hello. We are back for another episode of Sister Brunch. I'm Fanchon Cox. And I'm Anya Adams. Welcome, everybody. Yes, Uh, here we are. We're here to talk about (laughs) Black Women Plus. Working in media, entertainment, and the arts. We talk to them about how they broke into the arts, how they stay in the arts, how they stay sane in the arts, Mm. knowing that this industry is very, very hard to break into. Absolutely. So prepare yourselves for some really candid stories and moving stories. And if you are also trying to figure out how to be a part of the industry, our guests can lead you in that direction, too. So hang out with us for another hour and a half because that's how much time Chris gives us. Also known as 45 minutes. Okay, so I'm so excited about our guest today because I, I will admit we've had a couple coffees or more than that together. She also and has like the coolest name. Elon Washington. What? Like, come on, we got to get into that. You're we writing were, books, screenplays. I'm telling you, it's like the lights. name is, yes, yes. Um, and she is, yes, yeah, she's a screenwriter. She's a community organizer. She's got passion for providing visibility to underrepresented voices. She studied English film and media at the University of Florida, film and television at Savannah College of Art and Design. Ooh, that's a good, and that's a good place to I, go. Yes, yes. Yeah. And she it got her MFA in screenwriting from the New York Film Academy. She's also the founder of the Black Film Allegiance, which we're going to talk more about. Yes, definitely. It's a virtual platform promoting collaboration and creative opportunity for up-and-coming filmmakers. She also works for an, a little unknown known company called Monkey Paw never that's heard of run that. by um, that, an actor, it, I guess. His name's it, Jordan Peele. Okay. I've never is heard he, of him. Okay, yes. So you can tell us a little bit more about that. <laughs> yes. uh, she's a development manager there where she addresses current and upcoming projects. So that's really effing cool. Yeah. Welcome, Elon. Thank you so much for having so me. So glad oh, to have you. Yes. So, Elon, what we often do at the beginning of the show is just t- kind of go back to the beginning. Where were those initial thoughts of eventually being in the industry? How did they and come development. to you? And development. I mean, is that where you wanted to go? Right. Is that a holding, you know? Mm-hmm. Is- I kind of fell into development. Okay. Originally, I always just wanted to write, just like you mentioned. And um, I always wrote poetry and um, that's how I fell in love with writing. And I used to do open mic also. Oh, cool. And from that, or when I used to perform, I used to go into different personas and be different Oh, people. wow. I love it. Yeah, and I would just go up there. I wouldn't say that it was my story because it usually wasn't. It was just something I saw or a friend experienced yeah. or whatever. And so that was when I first fell in love with character work and enjoyed getting into that. And I took an elective through the African-American literature program. Wait, what's that? Well, at the University of Florida, Unfortunately, all the black classic classes are still elective, so um, you have wow. to take them voluntarily. Okay. It is to the point, there are majors offered at this point, but at the time, it wasn't something that was advertised. Okay. I just knew, I was in English, just, just like you mentioned, um, but while I was in that department, I saw that that was an opportunity for me to take and get involved in. So that's when I fell in love with not just film, but like black film. Yeah. Yes. And that was kind of my early stages of consciousness, too, yeah. because... Um, Amy Angiri, shout out, <laughs> um, was such an excellent professor, mm. and I learned a lot in that space. So that was when I realized that I could kind of pair some of the passions I have about people of color in general, but also my own community as a black woman, and put that in my art. So that's when I first fell in love with it, but I kind of fell into development. Um, <clears throat> I always uh, did internships, and uh, I lived in Atlanta for a bit when I went to Savannah College of Art and Design, because uh, I went to that campus first, and I did some internships there that I really enjoyed. I actually originally went there because I was supposed to be working on a reality TV show that got canceled, and so after that, I was like, okay, here's the thing. I'm going to always need a backup plan. Now, that was a very um, important experience for me to learn from and grow from, and so... Um, 
it kind of angled how I chose to go about approaching LA. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, at least in Atlanta, I was in closer proximity to home. But being out here, I was like, oh no, I'm definitely gonna have to use school again, probably to find my way out here. So that's what I did. Mm-hmm. And so I left that program and went to the New York Film Academy and I did more internships there. And um, from interning is how I ended up on the production side and that's how I landed in development. So. Um, being in Monkey Paw, they're so kind and gracious with the way that they allow us to both do our creative aspects and mm. work there. Yeah. So I didn't feel like I had to sacrifice anything. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, that's how I ended up on the production wow. side. Wow. That's awesome. How did you find the transition from being, uh, you know, be- being in that elective course where you were able to start to really learn about black films and you know black storytelling and then go to like new york film academy where that may not have been uh, (laughs) encouraged i feel like all my life i had to fight yeah (laughs) um it was just all different forms of battles just in terms of lack of representation once i knew that other aspects existed or how long we've been in the game even yeah i was upset that i didn't know sooner i I was even hurt that i didn't know sooner because i felt like it was almost just a disrespect to everyone that came before me and I I felt it should have been also my personal responsibility to look but I just never knew to ask because I was never taught so Mm -hmm. from that it made me want to enlighten others and and tell people and so that that was kind of how it became a connecting point for me and I was like okay what better way to do it than through entertainment yes and so then talk about black film allegiance how did that yeah what were the seeds that sparked you to do that so because I moved around so much, it was really important to me that I did, you know, share some information I'd learned moving from place to place and trying and failing with different um, aspects I was trying to go through, like uh, the reality show that I thought, okay, great, this isn't so bad at all, this is easy, um, then it was canceled. So those realities I thought it was important to share with other people or what that experience was like or what it's like being a PA, what, what's mm. the real experience, because it sounds good, but <laughs> right. it, it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, so people that don't have any access, that's what I wanted to create. So I started the platform. It's it's live on Instagram. That's the primary space that we feature people. Right. But mm-hmm. I realized at this point, people are less likely to pull out a business card and more likely to just show you their Instagram and add your name in. So I was like, this is the best space to do it because right. this is what people right. are looking at. Yep. So with it, I decided to feature different black creatives, highlight what their crew interests are, what their genre interests are, and who inspires them so that other people with similar interests would reach out to them and that they could collaborate and um, start basically their own tribe, especially for transplants, but Mm -hmm. also for people that already live here that maybe weren't already in the industry and want to switch up, or maybe they were on the production company side as execs and want to switch to the creative. So... It's been a mix of different types of people from emerging artists to, like I said, people that just start trying to start over. So it's And great. did you say crew as well, meaning like <clears throat> makeup, hair, wardrobe, all that kind of Absolutely. stuff? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because yeah. I hear that, um, that like black people and crew don't really exist. Like there aren't really any. <laughs> I've heard that. Haven't we heard? I feel, I feel like it's a refrain on this. Any like we don't. Ag- right. We can't all. find them yeah, anywhere. You yeah. keep telling us we have to hire <laughs> them, but where, where, where are we supposed they? to find them? Exactly. So <laughs> answering that question is definitely a huge reason why definitely mm-hmm. I, I wanted to do that as well, because I know they exist. I've met right. them. And uh, it was just a matter of them gaining that visibility. And I think that's constantly something that we all seek to help with that mission. This is Sister Brunch with Fanchon Cox and Anya Adams. We are just going to take a quick music break, but listen, hang out, because we will be right back. 
join our community, you can join us on Twitter at Sister Brunch and also on Instagram at Sister Brunch Podcast. I'm Anya Adams. And I'm Fanchin Cox. Now back to our interview with Elon Washington, the woman with the coolest name in Hollywood. It sounds like you have, like, you, you created this Black Film Allegiance as a, to fill a, a huge need, and it sounds like it's really picking up speed. You work in development because you kind of fell into it, and you like to write. So I feel like, because we talk a lot, to a lot of people who have, like, found their dream and, like, are, you know, on their way here, and I, I feel like you're kind of in this middle port of your mm. career. Like, wh- where are you going? What is your what is your ultimate goal? Now that you're embedded in the mm. industry, you've got these great contacts, you're doing this amazing stuff for young black uh, emerging filmmakers and creators, but what's going on with you? Like, what mm. do you want to be? right. I think about that a lot, too, and I feel like my true passion is in serving community, mm-hmm. and so I would love for that to be my full-time gig, Yeah, and for writing to be something that I do in addition to that. Okay. And so my ideal life would be full-time doing Black Film Allegiance and then writing scripts and sharing them with other people in that cool. type of way. So you, you've you got the writing, which is so strong. You've got this work that you're doing. And then you also work for a company that, like, everybody's trying to be part <laughs> That's of That's right so now. funny. So I'm also like, so talk about what it's like to work at Monkey Paw. And, and actually, for our listeners, mm. tell, us, tell us a little more about Monkey Paw yeah. and, and then what it's like to work there. For sure. So the interesting thing about my... It, my experience there is that um, they pretty much raised me because oh, wow. that was my first job. So um, I started there as an intern really right after I graduated. And um, and how did you get that? Sorry, because I think yeah, people yeah, yeah. will oh, yeah, want to yeah, know. Yeah. What do you mean you got to monkey paw just after gradu- <laughs> graduating? Yeah. How did you do that? So before that, I was at the Mission Entertainment. Great people over mm-hmm. there. Yes. And um, Trevor Wall told me um, to be specific in my interest and my goals. and Very important. Yes. Very important. Yes. yes. And so he said, who would you most like to meet, work for? Who are you inspired by? Who, who would be that singular person if you had to name them? And I said, Jordan Peele. Mm-hmm. And so he said, okay, um, I know somebody over there that's an assistant, and so I'll you know, connect you guys, and you guys could get lunch or something. So I said, okay, cool, thank you. Mm-hmm. So um, I was supposed to meet up with Brittany Klesik, good friend mm-hmm. now um and uh it was supposed to be a lunch meeting but she was really busy that day so i had to come into the office so she was like do you mind coming in i'm like not at all <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, so so uh yeah i came in and there were two interns there at the time and i was kind of looking at them like huh i didn't know you guys had interns fascinating mm-hmm. <laughs> but um i met with her and she just kind of gave an opportunity to ask whatever questions i wanted and she asked what i was doing in school and about uh, my scripts and mm-hmm. she was into it because uh they're a genre company but mm-hmm. my sensibilities aligned with hers and what she felt was a lot of other people's there mm-hmm. so um i was like oh, okay cool but um i was like well since I'm here, what what are they? What, what's their position up there? What what do they do? <laughs> what those up to yeah, what's that all about? <laughs> um, and she was like, "Is that something you'd be interested in?" And I was like, "Absolutely." Yeah. And it just happened to be at the time um, they were both getting promoted, and oh, so wow. they were looking for new interns. Mm. But it wasn't something that was advertised or anything. It was just a blessing and worked out that I, that I just happened to be there and ask. And so it was just a series of events that happened back to back to back where um, I. I told her I was interested, but they don't usually, or at the time, didn't usually uh, include graduated people mm. or that had already finished. And so I, I was done. So I was like, well, you know, 
she was going to put in a good word for me and we're like we'll see where this goes and so maybe a couple weeks later um I followed up and she was like oh hey yeah definitely and then just continued the next stages of the of the internship process wow. and interviewed me yeah. and uh yeah I, it was brand new when I got there yeah, half yeah. the size from what it is now and so I, I got to grow with it so That's like while they were raising me it's like we were growing together yeah so it's it's a very familial environment mm. So I'll be with them, you know, till the wheels fall off. Yeah. In, but, uh, and yeah. you mentioned that monkey paws is a genre, right. know, very genre based. So right. So mm. about the company. So yes, uh, always a genre focus. There aren't enough people of color in those spaces, yeah. and we're still striving to push that needle um, forward. And so yeah, genre is always a focus, pretty much. And describe what genre mean. Like, what do you mean by genre? So sci-fi, horror. P- pretty much anything except for straight dramedy and, and dramedy drama or comedy mm-hmm. uh, we do like genre bending aspects as well so if it has elements of something or if it's like a social thriller that's elevated in that sense then it's also very on brand for us um so also obviously social consciousness is a big component of the yes. company as well tied with also a focus on underrepresented voices which is always something that's important both on screen and behind screen and because there are serious components of our properties that deal with social messages, it's also important to have a sense of fun yeah. and timelessness because it's that rewatchability yeah. that mm. Jordan really appreciates and loves. And I think that's why many people were saying, I saw Get Out six times. I'm right. like, me too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, that, that pretty much. It's so interesting, too, that um, genre is so important. I, I was thinking about this because I was looking at the slate of Marvel superheroes mm. um, that are on television. Mm-hmm. And they're all white. Yeah, name and it. And then I was like, uh, this is really perpetuating the white savior. Right. <laughs> like a- a- Right. That's you so know, true. You know, the white savior moniker right. that, you know, we're trying to get out of. And, and in these genre spaces, that's where we should be bending exactly. ideas and of thoughts course. and things. And so to be looking at all of these white heroes coming in that have black or brown, you know, sidekicks, Side we're yes. just mimicking this, this, this. Thing that we're trying to break down even within genre English, right like I, we can't yes, not even exactly. within something that is full-on not supposed to be of right. our current yes. world we can't like, even why? see that we don't even exist in that right. yeah and when we do do it it's just not great um which is so unfortunate it's just like it gets affected because there's so many white voices that have w- thoughts and feelings about how these black genres should look and that's mm-hmm. very white focus mm-hmm. so that's I, it's really exciting that you guys are doing that but you must be battling that a bit too when you're trying to roll out these stories because Jordan likes to be subversive with the way that he goes about creating mm-hmm. we like to be aware of those things mm-hmm. so that we can flip them and that uh-huh. was mm-hmm. one of the most interesting things I found about something like Get Out where it's like we know that there has to be a white savior role right? so to flip that makes it even more unexpected yeah. and elevates the conversation yeah. Yeah. so yeah. yeah I agree with you and if more people are at least having the conversations and aware of it I think that at least there could be change in that sense yeah. for sure yeah and we've also talked about, and, and this is true with Watchmen, who we, we've all said we love this show. And at the same time, it's very rooted in our trauma and our pain. Sure. And so that's another thing. I, I'm sorry to keep plugging your writing, but you have hero characters, right, that are um, that represent an experience and a time period that we don't even 
most of us don't even know that we existed in mm -hmm. and then these are right. heroes and there's still pain i'm not saying we can't address that but but the, that these are also representative of of heroes of those stories i think is so important and and important for us now to start really highlighting people yes. of color yes. as heroes not victims who survived some yes. horrible thing and got pulled right. out of this and stood strong in the end but in fact led born the charge heroes. Yeah, were born yeah, heroes yeah. and died as heroes mm -hmm. and you know we mm -hmm. deserve joy yeah and that's yeah. something that I want people to focus on more like um, especially in conversation about the constant police brutality or yeah. slavery narratives it's not that they're not important because they right. matter but yeah we, we deserve to have a full experience of entertainment just like any other viewer without yeah. having to brace ourselves for yeah. something triggering so I completely agree yeah this is Sister Brunch with Fanchon Cox and Anya Adams. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment. It's Sister Brunch with Anya Adams and Fanchon Cox. Now back to our interview. Can you talk about barriers either at work or outside of work? Mm -hmm. What what are the things? And I guess I am going back to the struggle story, but <laughs> but it is it's kind of address I think it's, it. It's pertinent in terms mm -hmm. of young black women, yes, men, for sure. all of us trying to kind of come up into this industry mm -hmm. and the the shit we're gonna run yeah, into because yeah, exactly. we're gonna run into yeah. it. Um, yeah, I never shy away from talking about that just because I hope that knowing kind of the truth or full spectrum of a conversation can be helpful to other people. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like um, it's the same thing that we have to experience anywhere. And it's just that in any space where there's a diversity of perspectives and um, social viewpoints and, and even identities, you have to do some teaching. And mm -hmm. I think that in every space I've been in, that's the most taxing aspect because um, you find yourself expressing why something matters and you wonder at the end of the day why you're so tired and it's because <laughs> I've been teaching and you know teaching is exhausting for free at that that was such you're a mature way to it's so perfect <laughs> so yes. how do you how do you deal with that and how do you keep going and you know what's your self care and all of that <laughs> I wanted to be selective um, there with are certain people you teach with moments that I choose to teach Copy. because there are certain things that matter more than others in terms of the stakes. If yeah. I know that other people that look like me and feel like me will be at a disadvantage if I don't speak up mm. or if they'll have to suffer through a triggering mm. experience or whatever through cinema or whatever it is I'm giving notes on, um, even honestly, even if it is someone that is just... Um, a creative asking me for advice. It doesn't mm -hmm. really matter who it is. It's for any category. Yeah, I, I have to speak truth on that because if I don't, then yeah, the audience will have to suffer through that experience and it could have been avoided. And I feel like it will be partially my responsibility if mm -hmm. I allowed that, that to happen. So during those times, I will always say something. But during something more passive, I try to use social... Um, not social commentary, but whatever's going on in pop culture is an opportunity for conversation. Mm -hmm. So during those 
I don't want to say arguments, but intellectual debate. <laughs> um, that's when I'll choose to be selective. Mm. Because when yes. when they just say, I'll let you have that. Yeah. Or, like, this matters because you need to see why this matters here so that you can get it over there. Yeah, I yeah. need mm. you to understand fully as a reference point, especially um, when addressing allies and fully understanding what that means and what you have to understand, both in terms of the content itself but also the audience. The understanding the audience matters so much. Yeah. And not just if you're someone on the marketing side, I know it matters at every stage because you have to think about how people will receive what you're saying. Mm-hmm, and yeah. I think there's an inherent misunderstanding sometimes in what we need and how we feel. Mm. And I, I don't know where it gets lost in translation, mm. but that's the part that I always get exhausted teaching because I have to say it again and again and again. Similar to what we're talking about with the the <laughs> negativity or, or the torture porn conversation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is something that comes up a lot or how much is too much. It's like, okay, but this is true and this is happening. Yes, but it's like we also have to see this on the news every day. How mm-hmm. much is too right. much? Mm-hmm. When can we stop mm-hmm. saying this and talk about something else? Right. So, so yeah, I, I've just learned to be selective with my peace okay. and, and not allowing a situation to have power to remove that. But it, I, I'd be lying if I said it was an easy thing to do every day because sometimes we just want to go home and just, uh veg out but um, what does your veg out look like it looks like watching old shows that i know that Mm. i've enjoyed i won't have Mm -hmm. to analyze them or think about something being problematic (laughs) um like what watching like i love martin Oh yeah. really? Yeah, and also you know that was in Detroit where yes, the show was supposed yes, to be. So yes. it's like, and sister sister also same thing. Mm-hmm. Anything that um felt familial and comfortable growing up, yes. it's nice to go back to. Cause it's like, hey, you know, not only are you not alone, but this is what you're fighting for. Yeah. So it makes me feel good to return to that. Yeah, and to have reminders that there are there. Yeah, like you said, fighting for and and there are folks who came before us, right? Exactly. Like we do have examples to point to where we were telling our stories, and at that time, the writers' rooms were not all black, or right. even maybe not one person, but more and more people are understanding that that's what it needs to look like too, and so there's some hope there. Exactly. That if they could do it, then I mean, I could at least do my best. <laughs> no yeah. doubt. From the specific place of being, you know, at a production company and also wearing all the hats that, that we discussed, um, I see why certain things have to happen. But I think that also sometimes people are complicit with decisions that aren't necessarily pushing us forward. Mm. And I think about that a lot when people are evaluating content. And like, like I was saying, with what's okay to show or... There were a lot of queen and slum conversations, for instance, mm-hmm. where, where just I it's interesting to know. And I like to see where people stand on different different things because it's educational. Whenever there's any major black film, it's mm-hmm. important to hear what people have to say. about yeah. it. Yeah. But then after a while, I just have to kind of not listen to them anymore because it's not always about what we enjoy and what we appreciate. Sometimes people are evaluating something just based off of what they think looked good or mm-hmm. or justifying moments that they didn't personally even connect with just because they feel mm-hmm. they should mm-hmm. we're at a weird space right now where people want to be more actively involved in art and in depictions of self but they don't know how to articulate it mm-hmm. i think seeing people's difficulty in navigating that makes me really frustrated because i want to be more helpful than i feel like i can yeah that's really interesting that you say that because and this is chris here for people listening um I know that a lot of people, talking about Queen and Slim, a lot of people have had difficulty in terms of being able to critique it. And you may not feel comfortable about talking about that. I suspect you will be. But (laughs) I found it very interesting that people really struggled with 
honestly critiquing the the movie and so out of that mm. i know in 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 journalism circles there has been this conversation about how do we critique black film yeah, how do exactly. we critique black yeah. art which is what you're talking about yes. right mm. i would love to get your sense of where do we go from here what do you think we need to do as someone who thinks mm. about this all mm. the time mm. yes so Great qu- question, yes. Chris. Yes. Thank you. You, you should do. You should do a, host a podcast. <laughs> the reason why it frustrates me, or with why I mention that, is because I feel like we've become accustomed to suffering through a cinematic experience, mm. and Ooh, it's because wait, wait, <laughs> what? <laughs> we've said, been that's what she said, man. <laughs> yeah, and it's because. We're all teaching the same way mm. I said that I oh have to teach every day. Goodness. We all are. So I think Ooh. that over time we've subconsciously started shifting our perspective who the audience is. And rather they say it's for us or not, it is for the white audience. Right. Because yep. they're constantly trying to show this is what the experience is like. This is why we matter. This is our yeah. humanity. Oh. Mm-hmm. When we really should be just, just doing it for ourselves. It's the white gaze. So then my follow-up is this. If we are teaching and we really, even though we think we'd, we're, we're creating art for ourselves, but we're not, right? What is holding us back from having these honest conversations in public spaces? Do you know right. what I mean? Like, we I wanted to like drill down. So we, let's get to it. Even for this, and I've thought about this a lot too, it's because we're afraid that we'll run out of chances. We're always constantly in fear of the door closing and we don't want to ruin someone else's opportunity just because we have critiques i feel like other people have the privilege of saying i appreciated this i didn't like that or or just saying flat out this wasn't for me and i couldn't stand it mm-hmm. without people saying oh that's why we're not investing in this film because their own community didn't like it so why would we trust right. them doing xyz this is sister brunch with Vanjie cox and anya adams we'll be back in a moment this is were you asking were you in your head like what is this i'm gonna tell you it's sister brunch with anya adams and fanchon cox now back to our interview i miss the days where you could make a quality hood classic for your people by your people right. and it just be okay because there are some excellent movies in that category yes. Aiden full being one of my favorite heck yes. i loved baby boy but you know you can't or even yep. in talking about Queen and Slim mm-hmm. with, with certain people, I, w- I would talk about, they, people are always approximating it to Bonnie and Clyde and Thelma Louise, but I would talk about, remember Set It Off, where they had yeah. the yes. ability to have agency over how they went about doing certain things mm-hmm. or what their outcome yes. was? They went out fighting. So the fact that other people don't know what that is, I kind of, it's kind of like the debate d- d- between PWIs and HBCUs, where it's like, maybe we should have just never integrated because mm-hmm. once we started mm-hmm. doing that, we started changing who we were, how we yep. presented based off of that other perception. So my interest would be for it to return back to that other space, not in ignoring the presence of that other audience because it's important to keep that in mind, but just to think about what would you like to see? What are the people like in your actual communities as opposed to this is what I think blackness looks like because that's the same mentality that people of other races are using to depict us and it's just not accurate, mm. even mm. in terms mm. of stereotyping don't ourselves. You think, don't you think we're, I mean, <laughs> yes. the thing about blackness is it's so diverse. Right. Exactly. Um, right. We're not a model. Pulling it out of, uh, I mean, it is connected to whiteness in some senses. So, I mean, like creating a bubble again. I don't, I, I'm not sure if that, like 
for me, it's not resonating, but I would love to hear more about that, you know? Not to create a bubble of exclusion, because Mm -hmm. I do feel like the platform is power, Mm -hmm. but to the point where we think about it like let's make what we enjoy not sure. what we think without the white gaze yeah. right so I that, hear like that. the freedom of just telling the story but i don't think that lena and melina were like let's make this for white people i think they truly feel like they created a, sh- a movie about the black experience for mm-hmm. black okay. people you mean if you ask them they I would think tell that you that is like right. now are they motivated by unconscious bias and and uh, right. things that happened in their life that may have come through? But I don't know that they were like, we're going to make this so that white people feel something for black people. Having read a lot of the interviews, too, mm-hmm. that was kind of what my take was with why I say that. Because uh-huh. even one thing that went viral on black Twitter was like uh, Lena approximating her and Melina to whiteness by saying Melina's mixed and that Lena doesn't just like black films. She's also inspired by white films, too. So it somehow oh, created a different not- yeah, that's not yeah. helpful. So, that's, yeah, so right. who is she saying that to? Why and was why? it shown? Why was that it, you know needed? I mean? Yeah, like, okay. Yes. But also, who is she to say that's a unique experience? Because right. we've all kind of been forced to have inspirations that don't look like us. And I wonder also, because Elon and I are both in development, that I can tell you there's not a story told that doesn't have to right now include the white gaze. Yeah. Even, that doesn't have to. Right. It's it, yeah. e- even if it's the blackity blackest, yeah. like we and you know, and you want to pitch it that way, and there be, because we're Lena's still not the ultimate decider. Right. You know what I'm saying? There is still the mo- the money has to come, and the money is coming from whiteness still very very much, For and sure. so. So, I mean, I, I was going to say if you all saw My Name is Dolomite, because I thought that that is a great example of, well, at least the original Dolomite mm. for sure was like, I'm just making this damn movie. Mm. And it was. It was like, I'm going to take everybody that I know and make this movie. And I thought they did a nice job of, like, that one, I didn't see a lot of white gays and watching us. Yeah. I still feel like, just like what you're saying, though, that it can be done successfully and still get acknowledgement. Because, I mean, with Moonlight, for instance, sure. to me, that's an example of doing something that is authentic to the story, characters, and people, not even considering how to be received by other people. Because I'm sure that they didn't do that thinking, oh, wow, we're going to win something because it totally. just has not been the case in the past. We talked about the importance of joy, right? And we've we've now talked about the barriers, but what is joyful about your job? (laughs) I think what's joyful about it is getting the opportunity to connect other people to their space of opportunity. Mm -hmm. But I guess very similar to what I do with Black Film Legions, I like being able to give people sort of not insider information, but just the knowledge that things are more accessible than they realize. Because mm. on, on our end, people are constantly looking, oh, we need a woman of color in this space. Oh, we need we need that, da, 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 da. But it's like on the creative end, they're just hearing, oh, there's, you just get in however you can. Uh, do yeah, festivals yeah. get spotted, selected. If you, But it's actually, if you just meet people, network, you're just one person away from anybody. So I kind of like that. Or my favorite part is that by being in that space, I've had a different understanding of what that journey is like in terms of how things are made. And it's allowed me to be encouraging to other people. Mm-hmm. So that that's my favorite part is to be able to give some type of hope in, in the... Because I know how much work goes into developing a project when something's your baby. So yeah. just to be able to say, look, I can absolutely get eyes on something. Like it, it feels good to be able to help in any type of way. Yeah. 
So if we don't have a lot of examples to point to and and we have joy via our jobs by helping other people tell their stories, how do we navigate the conversations with those folks who aren't where they want to be or we can help them get there of both saying there's not a lot out there for you to point yes. to, but please tell your story. Like what, what, where are the examples for them? That goes back to what we were saying about just being authentic to yourself. Um, I think that so often people are doing what they think sells instead of what's true to them. And so part of it is just telling people to do what they know, um, not in a way that's restrictive because you can always research something just like what we're talking about with period pieces or um, with something of that nature. But just to think out of the box in that sense instead of just doing what you've seen. I think a lot of times at work people say, oh, I've got the you know, gay version of Get Out. But it's like, okay, well, if a company's already done a particular property, they're not trying to do it again. Mm, so what? Right. what's the new, what's the next thing? What's the new story that you're interested mm. in? So I think it's partially, I think it's partially that for sure. We we talk about that a lot around your voice, your authentic voice, like especially for writers, right? You have to start from your voice. May I share a little bit about your screenplay? Oh, Because sure. I think it speaks to, um, and I, I won't give too much away, but it is about religion. And that's something that I think we don't have, especially kind of in a mainstream accessible way to black folks. And, and and I'll say it's actually, it's also about Moors. I love research, just <laughs> for me personally. So even if I don't super know something, I'll figure it out and I'll go put myself in spaces where I can know more, no matter what the category is. And that's something that, yeah, I for sure encourage other people to do that too. Even if they're doing something about music and you're not in that space, go to some shows, talk to some people. I think that's important because you can tell the difference between when someone's done that research and when they have it in the yeah. pages. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that was a large part of my experience with that. Or also just thinking about the core of what matters for something. People talk a lot about high concept works and, and pitches and uh, doing the next zippy thing. But really, for me, high concept isn't just approximating something to a property that's already out. Like, they like to say this meets that. And it's not just that. It's also saying, like, what if, like you were saying, what if in the history of the development of religion, black Muslims were in power and Christians were exiled? And that's something that actually happened. Mm -hmm. So if you, that's the type of core root for a story that I both look for on the development side, but also that I like to create with. And yeah. I think that when people do something that's specific, I think specificity is kind of the theme of this, mm -hmm. but also with intentionality, because you, it can't be a coincidence that you just pepper this person, this person. And that's the issue with when people try to do stuff that's diverse is they just put, oh, one of this, one of that. Right. No, like why? There's got to be a specific <laughs> reason, reason with why yes. all these people are in this space. And how does that translate to what we're dealing with today? How can this help people and advance us forward? So those are all the things that matter to me. Um, oh so gosh. tips, we want some tips because yes. you've already given us so many. But if you had to kind of consolidate your um, for, for these amazing folks that you're helping to nurture, what are some tips? That Navigating you or yeah. coming into this industry for people that want to be writer directors. These festival spaces are extremely important. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like people are looking at them now more than ever, it seems like. Mm -hmm. And I think that by having something unique in those spaces in having a focus on story, that's how you get noticed because a lot of things look beautiful, but do you have something to say? I think fine-tuning fine what your personal lens is and point of view is is how to advance because that's how you 
maintain not just a level of seniority to be frank over the other the other films in those spaces because you know how it is when you're watching a whole bunch of short films back to back it it becomes a blur after a while but you stand out when you have something to say and and people remember you and pass your name along Mm -hmm. and it happens just like that it's it's easier than people realize. I don't want to over, oversimplify it, but getting in the room is at least easier than people realize. Mm. And um, mm. I think if people hone hone into those aspects of their craft as it relates to their voice, then that'll make all the difference. Thank you so much, Elon Washington, for coming. Of course. This wonderful writer, community organizer, development manager. Everything. Working at Monkey Paw with that guy. Um, and also the founder of Black Film Allegiance. Go check that out on Insta. Yes. Yeah, uh, uh, and it's www.bfallegiance.com. Yes. And then yes. on Instagram. it's Yeah, it's bfallegiance. Again. Oh, bfallegiance. Okay, on Instagram too. Like it. Follow it, support it, support send your stuff it. in yes. so that you yes, can be highlighted. For sure, for sure. Yes. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey there, this is Christabel Insiabwadi, the executive producer of Sister Brunch. You will have heard me weighing in on the conversation. I hope you enjoyed the show. Visit our website, we're at sisterbrunch.com and join our community of creators. We're on Twitter at Sister Brunch, on Instagram at Sister Brunch Podcast, and we're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Sister Brunch Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and rate our show wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next time.